Dude, I wonder how much uh, I can't. How are theaters even able to be open right I now? I don't know how long I they're have going to. No idea. And that that actually sucks. They like, probably make a lot of profit from uh, concessions. I mean, the line was full when we got there. Right, but and not. I participated in the concession buying. I know, but I don't think they're. I don't think they're bringing in enough revenue to make up for three months lost, four months lost. I mean, I doubt it. Even more, actually, it was probably closer to five. We're coming into September. They closed um, late March. Yeah, yeah, it was late March, wasn't it? Yeah, I think. Damn. Did we go to one more? I think the last one we went to was like March 14th or something like that. It was either The Hunt or uh, The Way Back. The Hunt was our last one. The no. No. I think it was The Way Back. I think it was The Way Back because yeah. we used we used The Hunt to kind of play around with that idea with of the, the video. videos yeah, while yeah, we're yeah. driving, like mm-hmm. kind of a vlog thing. And then I think we did one more after that. Yeah. And I think I think it was The Way Back. Yeah. I, no, I, sure I think you're back. right. Are you recording right now? Yep. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I, dude, we're good to go whenever. Here's the thing. If the way back, um, yeah, even if, I don't know if the Oscars have gotten canceled yet. No, um, I don't think they have. But with, with those movies that we got, even just the beginning of the summer or the beginning of the year, um, way back invisible man, Oh, dude, the Invisible even, Man. Even the Hunt, like Betty Gilpin, was good enough to be considered for an Oscar. Like I would, I would think not, so. Maybe not in a normal year, but I wouldn't. Probably like, not in a normal. I would year, not no. be upset if she won an Oscar for that movie. Dude, I would be very excited if she won an Oscar. I would for not the, be upset if, if Ben Affleck won one. Also, Ben Affleck. Also, was really good the way back, Knives Out. I just showed my sister that when we first moved in the first weekend we were here. I sh- I was like, "Well, we should watch Knives Out." Yeah. It was on Amazon Prime. She was like, "What's that?" And I was like, "It's a really good Who Done It." It's it, like it's was like it a, good the second time. Yes, I think it was better the second time. Okay, it was be- it was so so much better so that I actually went back. I fell asleep because we watched it on like a Friday or a Saturday, so I still wasn't caught up on sleep from work that yeah. week. That uh, I I fell asleep about an hour and twenty minutes in, so I actually went back and watched the last 40 minutes i was like i need to finish that i, yeah. I want to go back and finish that usually even with a good movie yeah i don't do that very often but that one i was like i want to see the end i don't know if you remember i want to um, make it all the way when we went and saw the gentleman you fell asleep it was on a Dude. we went on a saturday which was probably bad news yeah that was bad news um, bears. usually we try to time things a little bit better so that either you're already awake for your work day or like right after work or something like that. Right, but right. we went on like a Saturday. I think it was like the the twelve o'clock matinee. It was, yeah. It was like, <laughs> it was like early afternoon. Yeah. Yeah, I fell asleep. And yeah, I, it, I just remember looking over and dude, you were slumped, and it was the most important part too. And you woke up, and there was no way with that movie already hard to track as it was yeah. i there was no way i was gonna try to Dude, explain to you what happened I, I i'm pretty sure i told you like just see it again i woke up and fell back asleep because i remember yeah. waking up and being like what in the hell is i should probably just go back to sleep so i just laid my head back down you were already there you just, i was like this looks very important and i you am are, so confused you already paid 12 bucks for a nap so you yeah, might as right. well stick with it <laughs> Uh, that's happened a couple times since I started this overnight shift. I'd imagine at movie dude. theaters. Yeah, usually it happens when I go to a nighttime show, though. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. Before, like before your, um, 
before my before my uh before my shift okay yeah or even on the weekend i i think it's just because like 10 30 hits what is your like what is your sleep schedule i don't know how you keep up with that <laughs> my sleep schedule is just whenever i can find sleep basically yeah. like i try and sleep from like 10 to 6 and more often than not it's more like 10 to 4 or 10 to 2 or noon to 4 or 2 o'clock to 6 yeah and then i just try not to sleep during work and try and come back home the next day and get I mean, closer to eight hours i feel like everybody sleeps like gets tired at work it doesn't even matter if you work yeah. middle of the day you'd still be getting tired at right work, even so. if you work a normal shift it's still kind of hard exactly hey chloe can you check and make sure we're both in the camera <coughs> Are you recording? it should be recording yeah <laughs> well that's fine do we both look okay no, you look awful. is the shot pretty See? centered huh? i knew it is he? Sorry, dude. You want me to slouch more, or should I? Or are you gonna come to my level? I'll come to I your level. I don't want that rounded back action going on here. I already have a rounded back. <laughs> you have my scoliosis. back is my back is in trouble. For when I'm older. Do you the, want your cups in there? Yeah, that's fine. Do you want matching cups? That'd be a little more aesthetic. No, the matching cups is no. We don't need matching cups. Okay. I mean, it'd are be, we? Do we look pretty centered in the shot? It'd be cuter. I like your purple. Thank you. It looks like. We look, do we you look know, do you know the cover art for. Um, well, your ass sticks out farther because you got a bubble butt like I do. That's fine. I don't, I don't really care about that part. Other than that, you're center. Okay. Is there like. Okay. Do I need to scoot in a little? No. All right. Cheers, ma'am. Dude. To our first show. Cheers. Let's go. We We're finally, drinking we finally water, did but whatever. It. We finally did it. Uh, yes. Slightly. Like maybe a couple inches. I mean, you know, people are different heights. We don't have to match. Yeah, we don't have to match in height, dude. We're not the same height. How tall are you? Um, how tall do I tell people or how tall does the doctor say I am? How tall do you tell people? 6'1". You tell people 6'1"? Yeah. So that means I'm taller than you. I don't know. Because I'm 6'2". Okay, well, maybe you are taller than me. I tell people 6'1". The doctor usually tells me I'm like 6 foot and 3 three quarters. quarters. You're almost there, but not quite. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell people I am. So, Thank you. That's fine. I was kind of upset when I played football at UNC. They listed me as 6 foot on the roster, and that was the dirtiest they've ever done. Were you done. pretty upset about that? I was. Yeah, usually, yeah, like when my uncle played basketball in college, I, they said he was 6'6", and he's only like 6'4". Well, what was messed up, they listed my weight at 240, which was like 30 pounds heavier than I actually was. So then it, they just made me look. Or were you playing like D-line or something? Yeah, I was, oh, I was playing defensive end. That's probably why. But they could have given me that inch, dude. Yeah, why didn't they, they give you the inch They could have given me 6'1". They could have said 6'1", they wrote 250. Two, they wrote 240 because that's the weight they wanted me at. Oh, would you have been okay if they said six one two fifty? Because at least you got that extra inch there. But now they're forty pounds yes, off on you. But here's weight. the thing: I was like two fifteen going into it, two ten by the end of my first spring there. Right. So two forty is high enough. Hey Chloe, real quick, can you turn the AC off, please? I just want the fan turning on and off. Huh? What? Can you turn the AC fan off, please? Yeah, just turn it to off. 
Dude, you have way more cabinets than you need. I know. How we, many of those are empty? Let me guess. I'm guessing at least um, two-thirds of them are empty. I don't think any of them are empty. There's just like None of them one, are full. There's just like one thing. Wait, wait. <coughs> Chloe, one more thing. Hit the record button on the camera to stop this recording. Just do it, please. It's on. It's on top, next to the next to the click, the shutter. Okay, now hit record again. Do you see a timer in the top left corner? Yeah, eighteen minutes, twelve seconds. Eighteen minutes, twelve seconds. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. you got? I guess. I hope not. I hope not too. You might have to wipe that card again. Yeah. And start it over. I'm pretty sure we can delete it in camera. Um, hit hit the record button, dude. Just go do it. You you don't have to stay here. I know, but I like I like where I'm sitting right now. You'll be fine. Come on, Thor. Yeah, you're right. Come on. Yeah, Thor. Get you can delete it from there though. You don't have to wipe I'm it on your sure computer. I can delete it in camera. Okay. I just I was putting all I was putting all the stuff on the memory card. You make sure it's cleaned up when you're done because I'm coming over. Yeah. That means he's coming for your dinner tomorrow. Is that going to work? Yeah, I think so. Will it make a noise or let us know when the space runs out in case we needed to save it and pick up? You might want to, I don't know how much you would want to try to edit this out. You could set an alarm on your phone for whatever time it says. Yeah. Or like even just a, like a few seconds after. Right. Um, and you can always get up and check it. And if it ran yeah. out, then you can store it. How are you liking the aesthetic of the table? What needs to be changed? I think it looks good, man. Thanks for taking that pick. I didn't take anything. Well, you did. Is it pretty symmetrical? I think so, yeah. Pretty close? I think we're, I think we're pretty close. That's the main thing I care about. Is I, can, I can, like, when we edit it, if we're slightly off, I can, like, I can, like zoom in or out a little bit. Yeah. All right. You think we're good? Did you clear it? I did. Why do you keep taking pictures? <clears throat> I just wanted to see what it looked like as, a, as an image. Nice. Right. Yeah, I think when when the time comes, maybe we take a picture of like the headset or the mic or both together. Yeah. And we can just overlay right. front row seats on top of it. Or we can just take a picture with us not in frame, just of this right here. It's just of our setup? Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't mind I that, that either. Works. I think especially for right now, since this is the setup we're going with. I yeah, think that would be. I think and, that would be perfect. And I think this is a, this is good anyway as far as keeping us both in frame. Yeah, yeah, um, I think so. I do like the idea though of trying to get individual shots of us at least down the road once we have a little more time right, to play right. around with it. Yeah, and we might be able to try to record a couple, just like mess around ones. Yeah. Um, where we 
just come in here and kind of play around with different mm-hmm. setups, even right. if we don't end up recording or posting those. Right. Just, just kind of figure just out how we how like things. Or, or we would record them so that we can play around with the shots. But, um, if we don't like it, we don't have to post them. Right. Right. So something that's kind of throwaway for us. I agree with that. All right. Are we all good on the mics? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do an audio cue. All right, dude, ready? do whatever you want. I'm ready. Nicely done. That should do it. I don't think anybody could have done better. Um, I mean, clapping is not something that requires a lot of skill. I feel Dude, like... Dude, I, di- I didn't know what you told me about those... Um, I don't even know what they're called. Um, oh, the the thing, the markers yeah, for the markers filming? That, yeah. They have like the scene runtime, the total runtime, and mm-hmm. then the... Yeah. I didn't know that's what they were for. Yeah. I didn't know that's why they clapped them at least. Yeah. So I, used can... to, I used to have one when I was a kid. Really? It wasn't a video one. It was like you write on it with chalk. Yeah, that's how. It, yeah, that's how it used to. I be. don't know where it ended up. I was old school. But yeah, that's how I used to do it back in the day. Yeah, dude, I had I had one. Uh, I thought I was pretty hot stuff. You thought you were the the bee's knees. Yeah, the cat's pajamas. Uh, but I probably had like a disposable camera, and that wasn't gonna do me any good. <laughs> you don't have that thing anymore. Though? Might, no, dude, I wish I did. That would be a good aesthetic for the. It would. For the show, have something like that. I mean, here's the thing. We'll build up a collection over time. I feel like, yeah. Uh, and we can kind of customize the space. At least of posters, if nothing else. Oh, sure. If Dude, nothing I else. Saw, I saw this poster still on my wish list eventually. Um, it was a canvas poster of yeah. the shot in the Dark Knight where the Joker is getting into the car before the heist at the beginning. Oh, yeah. He's, He's facing out, and so you just see his back, but he's holding right. the clown mask so that mm-hmm. it's facing the camera. And it was a print of that on canvas, uh-huh. um, but it was completely black and white except for the mask that he was holding and his green hair. It was the coolest wow. thing I've ever seen. Okay. But, I mean, Joker posters have always been, like, Pretty great. they, yeah, I mean, oh yeah, you couldn't go wrong with it. Well, it's I mean, they're iconic. Exactly. Yeah, even the even the poorer iterations of the Joker are still going to be iconic in some way. It's kind of crazy to think about how the words "why so serious" with the Dark Knight, mm-hmm. like they gained so much mainstream popularity, and like that became somehow the slogan for that right. whole movie going right. into it. Mm-hmm. And so much of the the production and so much of um, advertisements beforehand and promotional stuff was all yeah. centered around the Joker and centered around why so serious before right. anybody had even seen the movie. Right. Man, that is crazy. Why? Did I, how do you think they knew? Like they knew that was what and was going to be. He only says it like two times throughout the movie. It's not yeah, just that it's one not necessarily scene. a recurring theme. No, actually, yeah. maybe he might only just say it that once. I think it's well. He says it twice in that scene. He said, "Yeah, right," but only in one part of the movie. It's not right. like it, that it, was. Yeah, it doesn't occur anywhere. That was else. not his thing by any means. No, 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 no. I would hmm. have loved to see one more. He gives like those two versions of his backstory. I would have loved to seen even just one more because right. I loved how they played off of that. That is a great scene though, because he is about to tell another story. And, yeah. And, and Batman's like, "No, but I'm gonna know how you got these." Yeah. And then he shoots the things out of his forearms. Yeah, it makes you think. That's a pretty good like reversal there. Like the Joker doesn't get to talk anymore. He's right. like, nah, nah, we're done. Yeah, it, it, it's time to get going. But in a way, the way that they talked about how the Joker talks about how Batman completes him and like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a way, 
like I, you almost feel watching it. You almost feel short change that you didn't get to hear what he was going to say. Like you almost feel like him getting cut off and him getting caught by the Batman. Right. Like you don't get closure. You don't get that completion. Right. Yeah, that's true. To the whole movie. I think that, I think Dark Knight was the first movie that Chris Nolan filmed on IMAX. It might've been. Cause, Cause I, he's, he's done five now. He didn't do he didn't do Batman Begins on IMAX. No, but he did do Dark Knight and he Dark Knight Dark Rises. Knight. Mm-hmm. Yep. He did Dunkirk. Mm-hmm. He did Interstellar. Interstellar. And now and now Tenet. Tenet, dude. Which we just saw. I we dude even in a year without COVID and without the the theater closures and stuff like that. Right. Right. We've been looking forward to seeing Tenet for since last fall almost it's been almost a year now that we've been waiting for it that we've been like not even waiting for it but just seriously talking about it yeah exactly and and giving it the time during our movie discussions where we're actually going into detail about what the hell is going to happen right what's what's this going to be like i remember seeing the first trailer for it when it was either when we when we saw um 1917 or when we saw um, it, chapter two. Um, right. But we knew as soon as that movie, as soon as we saw the trailer, we knew that that movie was gonna be the the blockbuster of the summer. Oh yeah, and we, because Chris Nolan always takes over the summer. Whenever he has a new film, mm-hmm. it's always it it kind of pushes forward all the it launches the summer right. blockbuster. And it's you know? been, I'm pretty sure for I can't I. I don't know how many movies it's been now, but for at least since the dark Knight, it's been, yeah. If, if there's a Nolan movie coming out, it's going to be in the summer. Right. And it's going to be more than likely a blockbuster. Not all of them have, have achieved obviously as well as the dark Knight has, but that's because the dark Knight is a DC comic Batman film. Sure. So obviously you're going to have way more fandom than original pictures. Well, and also, or, also Dunkirk. in the same year that um, that Marvel was kicking off with Iron Man, so that's true. The, the superhero yeah. genre at the time had um, had a lot of exposure. Yeah, it had a lot going for it. It had a lot of interest, at least, because right. that year was kind of the first year that Marvel. That Iron Man was the first Marvel movie that was kind of like people were like, "Why are they doing Iron Man?" Like that's kind of not the not the yeah. character or the superhero that you would want to kick a franchise off with. Right. Iron Man's not the first name that comes. It is now. Well, I guess to be fair, they did start with the Hulk, but I'm not sure that that was as successful as they would have hoped for. Yeah, there have been a couple different Hulks from the TV show to the Ang Lee 2003 mm-hmm. absolute mess that that was. Yeah, and who did? Um, was it Edward Norton? Yeah, that was, was an incredible hole. That was in the incredible hole. That came out the same year as Iron Man, actually. Oh, did it? it? Yeah, I think they both came out in two thousand eight. Okay, and they weren't, but they weren't tied together in any way. I don't think they kind of. There was no. There was a post. There's a post credit scene where uh, um, RDJ shows up. Okay. Yeah. As Tony Stark and talks to the whoever the general is or the 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 military guy that's in right. the Incredible Hulk movie. That they have like it a, all they off. have like a meeting. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure they talk about putting together a team, but that obviously didn't happen for um, obviously a little bit after the fact. Yeah. But getting back to Tenant, because that is what this video is about. Yeah. Um, kind of like you said, even in a year without COVID, this was probably the most anticipated movie. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, having it pushed back, I think, 
just added to that. Even though it was, oh, yeah. it, looking back at it, it was only, what, a month and a half. It was supposed to come out mid-July originally. But mm-hmm. it feels yeah. like we've been waiting for years it for this. It feels like, yeah. It, it feels like not only because of COVID that we've been waiting forever for it, but because they pushed it back just, yeah, that barely a month and a half we've just been waiting it feels like we've been waiting and waiting and we we got to see it early which was great yeah we got to see it in IMAX which was even greater because there's no Nolan experience like a Nolan IMAX experience no and i think he he knows that he wants mm-hmm. every single viewer if he had his way would see his movies in IMAX that's in IMAX. how he designs them and this one more than any in the past he really he built it for IMAX theaters. Yeah. And he was from the beginning adamant that it was only going to release in theaters. Um, once all the closures and delays and all of that started happening. Right. Right. He wanted it to be released this year and in theaters. Mm-hmm. He got his wish. Thank God too, man. It, I tell you what, I mean, I've watched a couple like of movies that were supposed to be released that went to streaming or movies that were already, you know, kind of, uh, more, um, higher anticipated streaming movies that people were waiting for. Yeah. And some were good. Most weren't. But none of them kind of gave me that fix that I needed, that I knew I would always get in a theater, whether or not it was a good or bad movie. Right. Because when you you actually get to sit in a theater and experience the full surround sound, the the larger-than-life picture that you can't get anywhere else it just it adds something to a movie whether or not it's good exactly and seeing it in that IMAX format Mm -hmm. is it's an experience in and of itself even beyond that of a normal theater and what I actually noticed today um, I noticed a lot of the sound how much um, more vivid the sound is um, in the IMAX theaters right Um, it's it's kind of built for that it is Um, right but also the way that Christopher Nolan edits his sound in mm-hmm. in his films. You can't really put words to it. It's I don't really know how to describe it, but it's very distinct to his style of right. editing. The it, way that he balances dialogue and and yeah, music with background mm-hmm. noise and sound effects and all of those things. It's almost overwhelming how um enveloping it is. Yeah, because it, it makes you you kind of almost feel the space. And even though like music, the music in the film is obviously not taking, it's, it's non-diegetic, right? It, it's not, it's not in the space that they're in. Right. It, it's added into the movie, but even, even a non-natural sound like the score still kind of gives you that kind of that it, it gives you pins and needles sometimes. Cause when it plays right, you feel like you're closer to being in that actual space. Yeah. And than especially you are. the way that, um, Hans Zimmer did not do this movie. He did Chris Nolan's last two, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, he did do Dunkirk and Interstellar. Right. In both of those, and now in this one, even with a new, um, um, new person doing the score, mm-hmm. the common theme that I saw too, and it ties into the movie, was time. Right. The the score is almost it picks up pace as we are running out of time. So right. to speak, in the yeah. film, it almost acts as a clock or as a a metronome going in the background of the film. And I think certain parts of the score do play in reverse. Yeah, it sounded like in like obviously there are scenes that are inverted, or that play as an inverted scene, where people are 
inverting themselves. And I don't think that's a spoiler that people are inverting themselves no. in time. So when people are inverting themselves, the the actual music that's playing is also inverting with them. Yeah, I think like, you're right. I think that happens. That happens at least a couple of times. And it's interesting. I mean, Christopher Nolan, I think, has become known for the way that he, um, the way that his films interact with time, the way that they play on time. This mm-hmm. was he has an obsession with time. He does. It's and, it's very much an obsession. But also, along with that, comes an obsession to detail because he has mm-hmm. to be. He wants to be accurate. He right. he brings people in for films like this or for films like interstellar to make sure that he's not making technical mistakes mm-hmm. or you know huge scientific blunders he wants to be as accurate as possible right given the the content right um but i think this didn't feel old it didn't feel like something that we had seen before he played with no. time um in a way that we have never seen him in do. a way that he hasn't done yet right yeah. And it's weird that he can continue to have this obsession and give us different ways to examine time from from wormholes in Interstellar to time inversion in this to even all the way back to Memento where time is just completely nonlinear and that's it. It's as simple as the time you see, the things you see happening are completely non, are so nonlinear and chopped up that time is just completely out the window. Yeah, even scenario. when even when he plays time out normally or or as it would make sense to us, like he's in doing Dunkirk. things like in Dunkirk, where mm-hmm. one section of the film is occurring over the course of thirty minutes, another right. is occurring over the course of an hour, mm-hmm. and you're watching these happen side by side, but also interlaced within each other. He always comes up with something new. It's never it never feels tired. It never yeah, it never feels tired or and it never feels um like he's retreading. Right. And he's certainly not forcing it. I think these no, are no. these are brand new ideas and mm-hmm. I this movie was something um I think he was working on for a long time. He had these ideas. Right. Um it was all about how he was going to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um and and part of that is um all of the different practical effects that he uses. He mm-hmm. needed, he could not have made this movie without the budget that would allow him to use those practical effects. He right. doesn't want to make anything up. He doesn't want to be fake in right. any way or try to, um, he's not trying to trick the audience. Right. We talked about that a little bit. He, he treats the audience as if they are smart. Right. Where in some cases, obviously the audience is just going for escape. They don't they don't care about the minute details. But a filmmaker like Chris Nolan, who I think very much respects his audience, even if they're just casual movie watchers, you know, he puts in that time to make sure that they feel as if they're watching something as real as if it unfolded in front of them when they walked out the theater. Yeah. Right. There's yeah. A, there's a dedication to that. And I don't not a lot of filmmakers do that. And in a way, very few do that. In a way, I think that he sees the audience as equals to him. Mm-hmm. He none of none of what goes into his movies feels gimmicky. It doesn't feel like he's being pretentious with his filmmaking. Right. But he's also not going to baby the audience. He's not going to explain to you exactly what happens. Right. We all have to figure it out together. There, there are a lot of scenes in the movie. That's actually something I wanted to touch on. There are a lot of scenes in the movie actually where things happen and you go okay how did they get that to be able to do that 
And I think a lot of times Nolan just wants to say it doesn't matter. They're they're CIA agents. Of course, they have all this stuff. We don't need to see how they got it or who gave it to them. There's yeah. none of those like James Bond moments where they're like walking through a hallway and he's you know someone's giving them all this stuff and like this does this and this does this. A lot of those scenes are just cut. They're just not there. Yeah. There's the scenes unfold and you go, oh, how did they do that? And you think to yourself, oh, they're they're that person. They they probably got it somewhere. Like we don't we don't need to have all this expository all these expository dumps throughout the movie. We just need to know what's happening when it happens. We don't need to take time away from the action itself. Right. I noticed right? that too. And I think he does the same thing with um sort of the how did this character get from point A to point B? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. He doesn't. And, right. and because they were, they are very careful. They shoot everything on location. They don't mm-hmm. want to use um, sound stages and green screens and things like that. Right. But he doesn't have to show us a character getting on a plane to fly no. to India. You know, no, he, he, do, yeah. he, he just moves on with the story. He can show the plane he, or he the car up, and then that's it. He picks up where it matters because right. we don't need to know how a person drove there. We don't need to know how they walked there or whatever. Right. Um, the one thing that I, I kind of did have an issue with was sort of the, it almost feels cliche at this point, especially for Chris Nolan movies. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very reminiscent of Inception, kind of the walking dialogue. Yeah, um, the, very the walking expository, and Very just... Um, kind of one character explaining to another what's going right. on as they're walking around a very beautiful scene, exactly. or uh, or location. And I di- I didn't mind it. Um, mm-hmm. in Interstellar, it was it almost felt necessary because there was just a lot to unpack. There's or, just so much. Um, to un- I'm sorry, in Inception, there it was is, a lot. Well, there was a lot to unpack with that. It, it happens in Interstellar too. <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah. Um, but. I think this time it wouldn't have bothered me with maybe once or twice. It was kind mm-hmm. of recurring um, at a point, it, you know, towards the end of the movie, I thought it was actually getting a little bit old having to listen yeah. to those kinds of, those kinds of conversations between characters. Cause they're not right. always necessary a couple of right. times. Sure. Especially if he's trying to just get the audience caught up to speed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't think he needed to do that. Yeah. Um, throughout the entirety of the film, anytime there was a scene change or, or location right. change. Or at least if you are going to do that, mix it up a little. Just make them not walking and talking the whole time. Yeah. Give it a little Give it a little variety, which does happen. I mean, obviously, uh, Michael Caine's role in this movie is very much a sit-down conversation. Right. It's kind of, it gives you that similar expository um, detail that you need. But I, something I've always appreciated about Nolan, and I know people people like to bag on the walking and talking thing, it's never an uninteresting shot. I'm always interested in what's going on around them, at yeah. least. Or even when they're sitting and talking, the way each frame is set up, or the way the camera moves or doesn't move, the way it pushes in or pulls out on characters or on objects, is always compelling enough to me to where if I am sitting there and going okay, this expository dump is getting a little old, or this is the third time we've had one of these. I, I, I need some, I need something else to happen. I'm, it doesn't get me to the point where I'm feeling like, let's go, let's move on because I'm still compelled by what's on screen. Yeah. It's all, it's always dynamic, whether it's the background or the characters, what they're doing Mm -hmm. um, themselves. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, 
as much as you might get tired of the dialogue, you're right. He he's careful about what shots he places those in, right. um, and I think also where he places them throughout the story. They never they never feel like they're interrupting something more important for that conversation. Right. It's not getting in the way at right. all. Something I think that was also really important about this movie was casting, and I think it was um, pretty much nailed. Yeah, in terms of our 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 main protagonist, obviously John David Washington, who, as the days go by, is so much becoming the spitting image of his father. Yeah, it's almost ridiculous, but in like not in a bad way though. Because here's the thing: for me, Denzel Washington's one of the best actors ever. I I love Denzel Washington. Right. He's been in some of my favorite movies of all time, and he has that. He has it. Like kind of what what we talked about at the end of the movie when we when we were you know first walking out and coming home, um, we talked about how John David had it. You don't really know what you can't really put boxes around it though. Yeah, it's just something you see when you see that actor do something on camera, and and Denzel's a perfect example of having it. Yeah, in every movie he is in, and not only that, I think that um, John David Washington is quickly approaching the status that his that his dad has in the sense that mm-hmm. there are plenty of times I have watched a Denzel movie just because he was in it. Because, yeah. And I think John David Washington is going to start gaining that sort mm-hmm. of following, gaining that oh, yeah. sort of popularity. Um, first of all, that audience's love, but also that director's love, um, mm-hmm. that production company's love. Oh, yeah. Um, he, has, he has put out in his short career as an actor an excellent body of work. Yeah. Um and and he hasn't disappointed yet. No, not yet. It's been a short career, so obviously there's time to fail. There's room for failure, but the fact that he's been in the two movies he's been in now and he's performed at the level he has with the 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 charisma and just the like even the likability. Like he doesn't have a name in this movie. And when you watch the when you watch the credits roll, yeah. it just says protagonist. John okay. David Washington. Yeah, That's I all it that. says. Um, even without a name, he just has that kind of likability. Like you, you want. I I wanted to see what happened to him. I wanted to see if he could do what. He, and I'm trying to avoid spoilers. I wanted to see if he could do what he was trying to do the entire movie. I was never. Yeah. I was never. Um, not compelled by what he was trying to do. Towards the end of the movie, I actually I thought about that. Um, Mm -hmm. because I think it'd be easy to look at this film and say that they didn't spend enough time on, um, creating characters that we cared about. They didn't spend enough time on background and things like that. Right. And towards the beginning, I would have agreed, but we find Mm -hmm. ourselves towards the end of the movie and it's, it's a, without giving anything away, it's a very Mm -hmm. emotional ending. And one, I found myself caring deeply about what happened to each one of those characters. Yeah. I didn't have to know their background. I didn't have right. to know how they got there or, you know, who they were doing it for mm-hmm. or anything like that. I cared by the end of it because of the way that um, they're just so likable and they're just so good at their roles. Right. That if you can tell that they care, it mm-hmm. makes you care as well. I think with, I think with a second viewing, Robert Pattinson's performance. I think a lot of the moments where he's not speaking, where he's reacting to something that we can't see is going to play a much bigger role on how we feel about his character 
once we get closer to the end. Because I think, I think with what happens at the end, it's stuff that you're not trying to see when you watch the movie for the first time. Right. Because with the revelations that happen, you're you're surprised. Obviously, you're shocked. You're you're put in a place where you go, I didn't see that coming. So obviously, upon second viewing, you'll see it coming. But I think his performance, the idiosyncrasies in in his reactions to certain things, or in the way he converses with certain people, I think that'll add a certain level of depth, at least to his character, that we might not have seen, a, you know, with that first watch, because we didn't necessarily know we were trying to see that. Yeah, absolutely. And you can tell that they care enough about the details um, from from the actors to you know post-production and editing that Mm -hmm. you're going to have things like that that you notice throughout the film where now on a second watch you'll see oh that ties into the ending or that right directly leads to this scene things that you might have missed if you're not looking for it Mm -hmm. but we know that they care enough that they're going to make sure that it's it's continuous. They're going to make right. sure that the story makes sense from start to finish, even mm-hmm. if watching in real time, you don't really know what's happening. Right. And I think I think there was a little bit of of purpose to not giving people like like John David Washington's character doesn't have too much background, but characters like um, Elizabeth Debicki, her character does have a lot of background and and motivation to do certain things or say certain things as does Kenneth Branagh Brana. I don't know how to say his name. I think you're getting it. The main antagonist. Yeah. There's a little more development there, but with someone like John David Washington, I think there was a point with that because a lot of the point of the film itself isn't about the past. It's about how the future can influence the past and change the course of what's going on in the present. So I think right. there's a little bit of deliberate meaning to that. Yeah, and I think I think it works well because it never feels like just monotonous character building right. that you might get in other films. Well, and it also works well because John David Washington is so compelling because you just the as he is on screen, he's interesting. He you don't have to know about him. And I think the mystery kind of adds to that. Right. The the kind of the the question about well where did he come from why is he why is he with the CIA how did he get there I think his purely from his acting skill it actually helps the intrigue of his character it helps the the interest in his character because it just doesn't matter it just kind of falls by the wayside you could you could dwell on the fact that there's no background but in the end you see him start talking and trying to get to where he's going and, and progress and try and quote unquote save the world. That means our that means our video just cut, I think. You wanna take a look? Yeah, I'm gonna go take a look. Okay. We'll we'll pick up. I thought about saying we're gonna take a quick break. Well, if we have to cut it, if you want to say something, you can. Is it good? Well, I mean, it just reset, so we have 30 more minutes. And hope it saved the first 30? Oh, it definitely saved the first 30. Oh, okay. It's just going to yeah. do it in 30-minute increments? Yeah, I increments. I, I'll look at that. I'll, <coughs> just, 
I kind of want to just get a camera that's better for recording. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I could find a point where we could like a good pause point and then just say, like, do a cutaway to like, this video is brought to you by. By who? By water. By all of know. our sponsors. That's something we no, could think about doing too is doing like, um, like satirical advertising. So our sponsors are toast. I don't know. Or bread. I'm not a fan, dude. Or no, you don't like that I don't, idea? I don't want it to be, I don't want it to feel. Double wall the aluminum cups. I don't want it to feel overdone. We're not to. Get your cup. First of all, we're not making any money off of this from anybody. No, we're not making oh. a single thing. <laughs> Second of all, um, you know what would be a cool thing to do is like obviously we have the YouTube video, yeah. But we just released the podcast completely uncut, and at the end of each video, we're like, if you want to hear the uncut ver, you want you want to hear the uncut show. Yeah. Here are here are mistakes. Check out our podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good idea. Front row podcast. Maybe we don't. And I mean, obviously, it'll get smoother as time goes along. But. That's very true. So, what were we talking about? Yeah. Well, one thing that I wanted to say. Um, yeah. Even without the background, even... Wait, hold on, hold on. Okay, we're good. Good anyway, call. Yeah, no. What were, so, so, what, you, yeah, you had a yeah, point. No, no, no. Some, something I wanted to say is even without um, the background, even without knowing a whole lot about our characters leaving up to it. Yeah. Um, I, I felt like I responded to this movie um, emotionally more so than I have even Chris Nolan films of the past, like it, it rivaled interstellar to me. Um, right. And part of that as well is, I mean, I guess, you know, being gone from the theaters for so long could Very play true. a part of it in it. That was the first movie I've, I've watched in, in that setting since March. Right. Um, but something I noticed is that I felt extremely anxious during that movie. Like, yeah, not, it was it, it was never like nervousness or it, it was not necessarily how you would typically feel during a thriller like i right, felt right. i felt uncomfortable at times mm-hmm. um and i think part of that was the way things were filmed um the way the choreography worked in the different fight scenes and the different right. movements where where there's characters moving forward in time and there's characters moving backwards in time and yeah. it never felt it never felt fake because obviously they did as much um, through actual film right, as they could. Right. But it felt so unnatural that there was just something like unnerving. It was about very it. the first time, the first scene where you have two characters, like one moving fully forward in time and one fully inverted in time. That was just the. I was man. I was sitting there. I don't know if you saw this, but I just kind of put my head on my hand. I was like, what in the hell yeah. am I looking at right now? Well, and this, I mean, this ties back again to to the acting um, mm-hmm. because there were scenes where there was one person moving forward in time mm-hmm. in in a fist fight with somebody moving backwards in time. Right. And, and one of them is making reversed movements. The other is making forward movements, right? As, right. as time actually plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we kind of s- saw in those, um, those sneak peeks that have been released leading right. up to the film, right? Those are things they actually did. Like a lot yeah. of it, a lot of it looks like they, they would have had to, um, you know, shoot it forward and then play it right. back in reverse or use some sort of, 
um, you know, cables or things like that to yeah, get actors yeah. in position. It was all real. The, right. the way that they designed every one of those scenes was so that the actors moving forward could play hand in hand with the ones that were moving backwards and they never missed a beat. Right. Right. Hmm. That was, man, the, I still am kind of confused <laughs> on how that's even possible. Like how they were able to do that. Not, not just do it, but do it so smoothly. And I think it just speaks to the, the, the technical, that's a work alarm. It speaks to the, it speaks to like the technical brilliance of not just Chris Nolan, but the people he has working for him and with him. It's something that I don't think even the best filmmakers can achieve because there's just so much deliberate thought that has to go into something like that. And I think he's one of the few people that actually takes the time in each film he's doing to give it that thought. Right. He wants, and, he wants every aspect of the film um, to be done by the best in the business, whether that is the cinematography, um, whether that's the score, whether mm-hmm. that's even down to the editing. Um, I think that his, his attention to detail and... I guess you could, in a way, call it his ego. Right. It, it has to be perfect. Everything has to be perfect. Yeah. But his team is so well established. They've mm-hmm. worked together so much. Right. Um, and he pulls in people all the time that he used in his previous films that know his style. Right. That know what he's looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and on top of that, he dreams big. He, oh, he yeah. sets his goals high and... And he finds ways to make it happen. I mean, if, we're, if nothing else, he's ambitious. Exactly. And I yeah. think I I truthfully think this was probably his most ambitious film yet. Um, yeah, I would say so. In in some ways more than others, but right. I mean, we're thirty minutes into this talk, and we haven't even talked about the fact that he plat he crashed a plane. He crashed into an actual airport. An hangar. entire plane into an actual airport, and it was real. And it was real. The whole, honestly, I was, we obviously, we knew it was coming. The buildup happens, the plane starts moving, all that, they get the guy to get the plane, all that stuff. It still was just mind-blowing how a, just a plane just rolling into an airport with explosions was like, I was white-knuckled the whole time. Not only that, but there were cast members on set like clearly there were clearly there there were clearly people there watching it happen they weren't you know they weren't they weren't put there in post they were there they were in the camera there while the plane exploded in front of their eyes and something as simple as that obviously it's not simple that's the thing people think a plane rolling into an airport that come on like yeah of course they can do that in a movie that's a that's a multi-million that right there cost them millions and millions of dollars. That was a huge chunk of their budget because by itself. They wanted a real plane in a real airport to really explode. And it got it done. And because of that, it is all the better for it. Right. Re- and regardless of context, I think anybody mm-hmm. would be, you know, 
in shock or at least in awe of watching that happen. Um, and right. even leading up to that point, <clears throat> everybody has seen the clip of that plane crashing yeah. in this movie. Right. Everybody knows that that's um, a stunt that Chris mm-hmm. Nolan wanted to pull. Right. And even knowing it was about to happen, it it's just it takes it to a whole nother level when you know that it's 100% real, when you know that what you're seeing is actually happening. Mm-hmm. And I think that argument, like you said, like, oh, of course they can do that in a movie. Right. Um, or you always hear, it's just a movie. It's not real. And of course, in a sense, that's true. That is true. But in this case, um, and in the case of a lot of the stunts that he does, in a case of... Um, a lot of the you know driving scenes they shut down mm-hmm. a, an actual highway for for days weeks it was weeks for weeks it was like three weeks yeah so that they can film the yeah. chase scene mm-hmm. so they can film uh, and 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 not only that but there's there's hundreds of extras that go into it there's right they right. have to make it look real because they aren't trying to they're not trying to fool us in any way. They right. want it to be as believable as possible. And to him, that means actually doing it regardless of what it is that he's trying to. Right. Regardless of the cost or the challenge or the difficulty. It, it, I think it's as satisfying to him to pull off something like that as it is to just put an entire story together. I think to put the story together is one thing for him, but then to go through every idea he has within that story and go, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, I can also do this. This might be hard, but we're going to do it anyway. I think that's probably just as satisfying to him to just have those technical achievements as it is to have a a fully rounded, good story. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how he, he almost acknowledges it um, in the films through different character dialogue, like mm-hmm. uh, leading up to uh, when Robert Pattinson and John David Washington are talking about crashing that plane. Yeah. And John David Washington says, well, how big of a plane? Yeah. And Robert Pattinson says, Robert Pattinson says, well, that part's a bit dramatic. Yeah. Or in Inception, when, when Tom Hardy says, um, you have to learn to dream bigger, my dear. Right. It's things right. like that where yeah. you realize he's almost tipping his cap to the team oh, yeah. that helped him get there because right. he knows that he has these grand ideas. Right. And and he has a team put in place that always makes them happen. Right. They, they don't ask. They don't ask why. They right. don't try to offer. They just new ideas. Right. They just get it done. They just and jump it, in and it works. It gives us an it experience does. that you're not going to get from a lot of other directors and a lot of other films right. in general. It's a great subtle nod because at the at the start of that scene, John David watched. He's like, "You want to blow up a plane?" He's like, "Don't be so dramatic. We're just gonna roll it into an airport. Like, we're not gonna. Don't worry. It's yeah. not gonna be that hard." And he's like, "Well, how big of a plane?" And that's when he pauses. And he's like, "That might be a little more dramatic." And it's perfect. It's a perfect subtle but not so subtle nod. Maybe for people who are more inclined to notice things like that. People like you and me who watch a lot of movies and like to dissect movies the way we do. But still it's, it's a nod that people like us appreciate because we appreciate how difficult the things that are happening on screen are. Right. Right. And even to, even to casual moviegoers, even to people who maybe yeah. this is the only movie they see all year, which is going to be a lot of people could be. Um, yeah. They, that's almost a, a nod to them. That's almost acknowledging mm-hmm. that, yes, blowing up an airplane on camera for a movie 
is a little over the top. Is a little ridiculous. And he he it's a gives he gives that acknowledgement. He yeah. says to the audience, "You're right. You're right. But this, we're gonna do it anyway, and dramatic. it's gonna be bigger than you could even imagine. Right. And you're gonna love it because why would you come to this movie otherwise? Exactly. And that's part of what I love about Chris Nolan and mm. and all of his films that we've seen to this date. Um, he's established himself himself as one of the greatest to do it. And the reason why is because he follows through with his promises. Right. And you know what you're going to get mm-hmm. from a Chris Nolan movie. That's what right. brings audiences back. Right. Uh, time and time For again. Sure. Yeah. And not only that, not only within that theater experience, but almost every one of his movies, if not everyone, um, it deserves and requires multiple viewings. Oh, yeah. He brings people sure. back for his new ones and mm-hmm. for his old ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think uh, one of the things I appreciated the most about this movie was it was obviously, I think the trailer lied a little bit because I went in expecting kind of the entire film to play with time in inversion. And the movie itself is more of an espionage thriller than it is fully about like, like Memento is 100% about the manipulation of time and how it affects a character. Yeah. Right. This movie, at least in the third act in some of the first act parts of the second act, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of it deals with time inversion and, and how it's actually happening. But a lot of the movie is also just kind of a, uh, an like kind of a crime thriller spy movie and yet I still felt like every convention that you kind of experience in those types of movies was being bent or changed or manipulated or, or um, uh, what's the word, subverted? Not subverted. I don't know. But he every all of the like normal genre conventions you, you would get with an espionage spy movie felt like they were changed or they were made different in some way, whether it was subtle or not so subtle. And that's something I really appreciated watching the whole movie was I was like, I'm watching a spy movie, but I do feel like I'm watching a completely different version of it that I've never seen before. And with a genre movie like this one, that's hard. That's really yeah. hard to feel like you're actually doing that throughout the entire movie. Well, and and with an idea like, um, you know, time inversion or time travel or however you want to look mm-hmm. at it. Right. Um, it's an idea that has been kind of played out. Um, in a lot of different ways, right? Um, his is very unique, and and to kind of speak to what you're saying, um, you're always aware that time is shifting or time is changing around those characters. You're always aware, even in the beginning, before we're f- we fully know what's going on, mm-hmm. we know that that little subtleties um, from the very first scene where where we get the first um, you know reverse gunshot. Right. Right. It's an introduction, but it doesn't take the time to try to explain it. So you know it's there. It's not until the very end of the movie, maybe the last 25, 30 minutes, where Mm -hmm. he's actively flipping back and forth between these these different um, trends through time, the way that he set it up. Right. It's always something that is there. You know it's there. Um, he doesn't shy away from it during the rest of the movie. Yeah, but yeah. he doesn't. He doesn't try to force it on you, and he's not. Right. He's like you said. He's creating that that spy thriller, mm-hmm. um, action type movie, um, and it also has 
you know, it plays with time in a way that we haven't seen, but that's not the point of the film. Right. So, okay, we've, we've kind of gushed on the movie a little bit in terms of negatives. We've talked about the kind of the walk and talk, which is very common in Nolan movies now, but not necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily say it's always bad, but it is just kind of a recurring thing that, you know, it, it does get a little bit annoying after a while seeing expository dumps being done the same exact way yeah every time um and in terms of things that i didn't like i don't know there wasn't a whole lot i didn't like or i at least didn't appreciate about the film or the choices made i think um i think at times the the established like character relationships are a little are a little confused like it seems like everyone kind of already knows everyone, but we don't really know why they know each other. Yeah, they just kind of do. Well, and and certain characters that might come in and and play a real important role in the movie, mm-hmm. whether it's Michael Caine's character, right? Um, or I don't I don't know her name, um, but the actress who's explaining to John David Washington at the very beginning, right? Like the, how the how the time inversion works. <clears throat> Yeah. You never, you never actually get an introduction to them, right? Um, and I agree with that. Uh, one, one little gripe that I have as well um, is, and hold on, let me get my train of thought here. Um, I thought at times the foreshadowing was a little bit heavy-handed. Yeah. Um, whether that be you know a, a character reacting to something that he saw in the past slash present slash future whatever right. it is or right, right. or the way that you could kind of see the character like in their mind the whole timeline kind of clicking and they're getting that understanding of how the inversion is working and right. I get that but um, you know sometimes we don't necessarily need to have that that movie trope where they see something in the past that then later comes up in the future and it seemed like he did that a few times throughout the movie where mm-hmm. It might not have, it might not have been necessary, right? Um, or it, it might not have been something that he had to spend any time on, right? Um, whether that's revealing a character later on, or whether that's revealing an object later on. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of talked about how Chris Nolan respects the audience and and thinks that we're smart enough to to keep <laughs> up with his films, right? Um, right. But there are a couple times in there where he drops a little hint that we probably could have figured out on our own. Right. I think, um, yeah, some of the foreshadowing is like, uh, it borders on like showing your hand, so to speak. Like some of the, some of the scenes, yeah, where that does happen. It, it, it really, it verges on going, giving too much away. Yeah. But I think most of the time it doesn't. And then other times it does, and I think that yeah, sometimes it's hard. It's, it's hard to even talk about this without giving away spoilers. I know, so, so I'm, I, especially when it comes to like foreshadowing, because we have right. um, obviously we can we've already seen the movie. We right. can look back and realize now right. um, that it something was obvious foreshadowing. But right. I don't want to get too much into it because mm-hmm. I don't want to give away details. We're still right um, two days from the official release True. date. Um, but I I think. I think other than kind of what we said, like I, I, a lot of the negatives are also kind of positives for me. Like I didn't love how there were just kind of already established relationships between characters. 
but also that kind of plays into the idea of not giving them background, which in mo- some of the cases I do like. I do like the fact that some of these characters don't have too much background. But it, then at the same time, there are these moments throughout the film where they just someone steps in or goes into a new situation or is told about someone that they have to go see and everyone just kind of knows everyone or like seems like they have an established idea of that person and we're just kind of left in the dark as to why or what would give them reason to know these certain things. Right. And And I I think that was kind of after a while I was like, man, I really wish I knew a little bit more about why these people are so established with each other. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm, I'm actually a, a big fan of that style of, of storytelling. We kind of talked about how this movie, it would have played similarly without <clears throat> any dialogue or with mm-hmm. very limited dialogue. Right. Um, it doesn't take a lot of words. Um, and I'm a big fan of that kind of storytelling where, of course, I believe that filmmaking is an art form, but I believe it's an art form because of the way that it shows us things. Right. And, and we don't need to be told. Um, and so I, I would have been okay with even limited um, dialogue throughout the movie. Right. Um, you know, sometimes it wasn't super necessary mm-hmm. or you, you know how I, how I get bothered by subtitles when, oh, they're, yeah. when they're not needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was mm-hmm. a couple times I noticed that during this film with somebody speaking in Russian. Um, right, and right. then there's subtitles at the bottom saying what they said, mm-hmm. which I don't care. It, it doesn't, <laughs> it's not going to change the way the story plays out. Right, right. We can figure that out or at least mm-hmm. figure out the idea of what was said. Um, yeah. And it was yeah. just a couple times, but that made me wish it wasn't in there at all. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was, you know, important dialogue or if it was sustained um, other languages throughout the film. Yeah, yeah. Then maybe I can see the need for subtitles. Right, but right. If if over the course of this whole this whole movie you're you're using subtitles twice, mm-hmm. I'd prefer you just leave them out of there. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> you and subtitles, man. You hate subtitles. I don't love them either, though. Only when they're necessary, and a lot of times they're not. No, but, they're but they're that's not. A, that's a conversation for another day. Um. Dude, I think that's all I got. Yeah. It's I'm, hard to I think we're we're obviously we're gonna revisit this when the official release has happened and we can do a full spoiler talk because I think it'll make what we have talked about a little less confusing. Yeah. And we can also kind of go on a more we can kind of move from start to finish. We can kind of go from the beginning of the film to the end and talk about it that way and not feel like we're having to constrain ourselves without giving too much away because I think, and we've talked about this a little bit too with movies we talk about, I think spoilers are more often than not. Okay. But with a Christopher Nolan movie, I feel like if he respects the audience enough to not give anything away, that's maybe something we should do too. Yeah, we should. Because and I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to spoil any of this for anyone until they've had the chance to go see it. Now, granted after that, you know, anything goes, but, until we actually get to that point, I think this is something that deserves to be as spoiler free as possible. Yeah, I agree with you. And and we were lucky enough to to see it a couple days early. Mm-hmm. Um, go yep. to an early screening. Also, 
We know that not everybody has theaters that are open right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd love everyone else to get a chance to see this mm -hmm. film, even if, if it's the only one they see all yes, year. I 100%. know it, it opened um, overseas uh, about a week ago now, I think. Right. Yeah, a week um, or two ago. Yeah. But, of course, we want everybody to have that chance. And so it, um, it's a movie that should be seen, even if it's very confusing to you and it doesn't make a lot of sense. That's okay. There is so much to be had here and so much that deserves to be seen and that should be seen. Um, you know, not a perfect film by any means. Um, easily my favorite movie of the year so far. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I haven't seen many new movies, but of the new movies I've seen, it's it's easily been the best, not just from a production standpoint, but even the story. The fact that the story does so much that it does despite its problems is still one of the most interesting things I've been able to sit down and watch. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think the best that we've seen this year, for sure. Um, even our, our limited number of films, but, mm -hmm. um, and I think in a normal year, if we got all yeah. of the releases we were hoping for and expecting, um, right. You know, this movie season, um, I think this would have been one of the best uh, of the year regardless of easily of you know all the delays easily. and things like that something with Nolan that I've always noticed is even with its flaws and things that I didn't like so much I always look at that movie more highly than movies I might rank or grade higher than it because I always know I'm going to get something that challenges what I already know about filmmaking in the film like the conventions of film itself. Yeah, he pushes right? limits. And, yeah, for sure. And that's part of of what's to love about him. And listen, for anybody who's a Christopher Nolan fan, um, for anybody who has seen any of his previous movies really right, and liked right. them, mm -hmm. they will like this movie. For sure, um, 100%. Especially if you follow his work closely, yep. you're, you're going to love it. Yep. Um, it's it's going to be very popular, I think. Um, I would agree. Among most audiences, mm -hmm. um, I think it'll probably be be really successful, especially as people are itching to get back. I hope to the it theaters. is. I really hope it is. And I mean, it's. I think it's already seen some success overseas, so that's a good sign. Um, I know we haven't talked about grading too much, but if we were doing it the way I've always done it, I would give this probably a B plus with thoughts towards an A minus probably increasing to that after I see it again because I think there's a lot I missed and a lot I need to see again yeah that was the exact thing that I was gonna say yeah. um just after that first viewing I'd give it a b plus obviously mm -hmm. um there are things that I wish were different but right as with a lot of um past Christopher Nolan films mm -hmm. I think seeing it a second time will only deepen my appreciation for it and yeah. who knows, I may wake up tomorrow and think it's an A- minus after I've had some time to soak it in and, right. and even think about it more. Um, but I hope I can see it again soon, maybe even in theaters if I get the mm -hmm. chance. Um, but I think this was uh, some of his best work, um, certainly the best that we've seen so far this season. Yeah, for sure. Right, man. All right, I guess That's we're, the end of it. we're wrapping it up. I don't know. How, we, how do we wrap these up? We didn't, we didn't talk about that either. I don't know. I guess we could just do like a <coughs> standard out standard. You know, if you liked what you heard, if you like what you hear, hit that subscribe button. Uh, be sure to like the video, check out our podcast. It'll be up on Apple here, hopefully in the next couple of days, it will be the unedited uncut version of this with all of our mistakes 
that hopefully will become lesser and lesser as we go on. All right, guys, that's it. All right, we're done. Oh. Guess we could have mentioned the name of our podcast at some point. Do you want to do a quick intro real quick? I mean, we could. Dude, listen. Okay. Here. I'm going to be honest with you. I typed one up. I was just day. thinking I could be like, I'm Gus. This is Dom. There was something I was... We are front row There seats. was something for the... This is the front row podcast. I'm going to record this just Yeah, actually, that's, like, literally what I had. I had, like, welcome into the first episode of Front Row Seats. I'm Gus. I'm Dom. And then straight into the discussion. On today's episode of Front Row Podcast. We can also, if we wanted to, we could record just, like, a voiceover um, that we can use as our standard, like, outro. Right. From here on out, like... That's true. Sort of, like, thank you for joining us on Front Row Seats. Check us out on list our platforms um if you liked what you heard like leave a review subscribe and like um on all of your favorite your platforms whatever i think Um, doing that just at the end of each video is a fine way to do it just so they know we're we're giving that attention yeah at the uh at the end i'm gonna put this on the podcast this part this discussion fuck it why not do it yeah well okay now you just got an explicit rating uh darn you might have to cut that one out. Darn. Uh, well, I mean, we can't. I don't know that. I'm. We could like probably give each episode an explicit designation or not, depending just, on what we just do. Just in case. Okay. So you want me? Do you want me to do the intro, or do you want to do the intro? I'm out of water. It's up to you, dude. Listen, it's like one sentence. <clears throat> you can. You, hey, you've recorded podcasts before. That's true. Now, granted, I spend at least four hours of my day on YouTube. So we should probably address the camera on this. I. Yeah. Probably. I mean, well, in podcast form, it doesn't matter. That's true. They're not going to see podcast us. form. Yeah, podcast form, they're just they're just reveling that's, in the fact that we're still going. That's better, though, because they, they're not going to see us, which I think benefits us. I think it does, because we are some I hope, truly I, listen, ugly guys. <laughs> I, I hope we get some actual viewers on this. Maybe just one-time viewers. Maybe no just one, one-time viewers. I promise you no one's subscribing like, to this. Who the hell are these goofballs? <laughs> Who the hell? And what do are they know about weird, movies? Uh, yeah, what the hell? Do, what <laughs> do they know? Absolutely nothing. They haven't made a damn thing in their life. It's true. I haven't done anything with my life. Listen, I don't know if even a single person is going to hear this. Oh, they will. Our parents will. Oh yeah. Shout out to mom and dad, Mary and Jeff. I love you both. Oh, dude, my mom definitely. Listen, I have a lot of siblings. They're all going to hear. You it. do. Maybe they can tell their friends about it. Hey, that's how you start building views. I don't need. Yeah. I, listen, I don't need them to like it. I don't need. I them, just, I don't I need, just a, need them to watch it. I don't need anyone to like this. Can be the most hated thing hey, on the internet. Even and if it gets us views, I'll be happy. Even if they don't like it, if they could like it, you know. Yeah, hit we'll, that like button. We'll be smash that subscribe. Smash that. Be sure to smash that subscribe button. Yeah, we're never gonna talk like that. No, ever. we are. We never. absolutely are. I'm be saying. Be sure to smash that subscribe button. Hit the like if you like. Um, I don't know what else to say. I don't know. Maybe we could open up with seven minutes of ads. Um, do we have do we have ad partners yet? 
This episode is brought to you by the Great Sand Dunes National Park. Hey, I don't think you can say that. Um, not a sponsor. <laughs> not, a, not a sponsor. They Listen, are not a sponsor. It's, it's just brought to you by us. Brought we're to we're you the by, only ones. Yeah. I guess we could give ourselves some credit. We could give ourselves some credit. Like, we put this together. <laughs> I'm, I'm Dom. This is Gus. And this episode is brought to you by Dom and Gus. And Gus. Um, okay, here we go. Hopefully, we make our money's worth. Yeah. Honestly, we could just... We're, dude, we're already in the negative. What if we, like... What if our intro is just... Today, on the Front Row Podcast, we're going to go... We're going to talk about tenant. Oh, dude. Absolutely. But listen to this idea that I had, especially okay. since you were talking about how you could do some, some audio... Right, um, right. ...overlays as you need to. Yeah. Listen, okay. You're going to call me a homer because the only mo- literally the only movie I've ever liked is The Dark Knight it, ever. Okay? But you know when when the Joker says and here we go. Yeah. What if that was at the beginning? What if that's how we like that's how, so we'll like we'll be like okay, we could like, do like do our intro and then maybe just Yeah, so we could be like okay, so how about so here, I'm going to do a, I'm going to do like a dry run here. Listen, I just want that one time at least. I'm going to be okay. like okay. So I'm going to go okay, <coughs> 3 2 one clap today on the front row podcast we are reviewing tenant no dude it's front row seats front oh, row well, seats it, could, it could be front row if see you like i think front row i better. think front row seats is like the brand right that's the label but we are the front row podcast but this is the front row podcast and we'll have front row reviews and we'll have front row roasts and okay does like that, that make sense yeah, yeah. Okay. is so is the do you want our channel to be front row seats yeah or do you just want it to be the front row? Channel should be front row seats. Okay. You'd be then, surprised. I was trying to make that, that Gmail account. Yeah. You'd be surprised how many front row seats are already taken. Really? Yeah. I settled <sighs> on front row seats 20. Okay. I didn't actually end up making the account because I wasn't sure what we were doing. That's fine. I wanted to see what was available. And No, that works. I think that's fine. Truthfully, I only tried front row seats and front row seats one. And then I started getting impatient. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Three, two, one. Today on the Front Row Podcast, we're going to be reviewing Tenet. We're going to get pretty deep on the cinematography. We got stuff on actors, character development, everything you want to know. No spoilers. Not this time. We'll be doing that probably next week after people have had some time to actually go out and see it, if you can see it. Um, Yeah, that's what we got for you today. Easy enough, dude. Easy enough. And we can always just record that afterwards because we yeah. will know what we had just talked about. Also, and I think I think the end here we go is a good way to end that. Hey, listen, I don't need you to tell me that just to flatter me. I'm so what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna say Dom hit him with the intro, and you'll say, "And here we go." You want me to? Yeah. I don't like that. Why? It's a lot of pressure. Just do it. No, no. We're gonna do. It. We're gonna do no, it one more time. Nobody. No. Nobody's gonna understand the reference. Yeah, they will. No, It'll they be won't. fine. Come on. Everyone will get the reference. It's like one of the most iconic lines in film. I don't think that's true. It's only iconic because when you start, just, when just you start it, the movie. Just make it your own, Dom. I can't. Come on, let's I'm do not, it. Hey, I'm not an actor. I'm not a voice actor. You literally just say, and here we go. Well, that's outside my pay grade. It's a good way to like intro the show. It's a good like, it's a good like way to tie people in. They know each show is going to start with my intro. And I'm going to say, all right, Dom. Hit him with the intro. Um, no, see, I think if we're gonna, if you're gonna say hit him with the intro, we gotta come up with something that's 
uniquely ours. I don't know what it's going to be. I'll keep working on it. What's wrong with and here we go? I think it's good. That was a that was a good. No. You don't think so? No. Try it for this one and we'll see how it goes. What? Okay, what if we mm, it, No, it's it's more about um the, the timing. <clears throat> you know, the I don't want to seems out of place. All right. Fine, then I'm going to say and that's the intro. You don't have to say anything. And then we'll fade out and then fade into the start of the actual video. You don't have to say anything about an intro. It's going to be weird if we say, today we're going to be reviewing Tenant, talk about this. And then that's it. We got to say like, okay, here's the show. I like that better than... Here's the show? That's the intro. All right. Okay. All right. Here we go. (coughs) Try again. All right. (laughs) Here's the show. Okay. Dude, I don't think I said one funny thing the entire time. We were pretty serious this time. I know. it's That upset me. I think it's because... Listen, I'm generally a funny guy. Or at least I try to be. We got to dust off the cobwebs. The podcast, the whole uncut podcast is going to be way funnier than the video. Oh, way funnier. But I think when we... Listen, it's going to continue to be When we get into... When we kind of get in... When we feel it out a little more, I think the actual reviews and stuff like that will be a little more lighthearted. But this is the first one. We're kicking off with a serious one, man. You're right, dude. It'll get better as we go. We just gotta feel. You gotta. You gotta. You gotta figure it out. I figured right. it out. Here we go. <laughs> In three, two, one. Today on the front row podcast, we are reviewing Tenant. We're going pretty in detail on as much as we can without giving any spoilers, and that's about all we will have today. So here's the show. Listen, that wasn't as good as your first one. I'm you don't gonna, think so? No. no you I like the first one better? I like the first. One. I think I thought that one was a lot more brief. That one was more brief. Okay, I liked the first th- one where you said we're gonna dive into. Okay, I'll do that again. Characters. You like that? Okay. Store. I don't know. I don't remember what you said. But okay, I'll do it one more time. Say that. All right. Three, two, one. Today on the front row podcast, we're gonna be reviewing Tenant. We're gonna get in pretty deep on characters, cinematography, things we really liked, a couple things we didn't like so much, and uh, do all that spoiler free because we don't want to ruin the more than likely first experience you have back at a theater. So, yeah, here's the show. And here we go. Boom. I'm done. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Dom is currently putting his pants on and walking out the door. I don't know why his pants were off in the first place. I'm not going to lie. I didn't even notice that. Not on the podcast or not. Hit the hit the record button. This We're is, done. This is Bush League. What's Bush League? <laughs> <laughs> you see this? This is Bush. Done. This is Bush League. <laughs>